and welcome to Wake Up Memphis. I am Dr. Frederick Dwayne Tappan, and I will be your host today. I am filling in for the great, the masterful Ben Dieter. And I am just elated and thankful that uh, I was asked to be the host of this great and magnanimous show, Wake Up Memphis. And it is time to wake up Memphis. It is Monday, February 19th, 2024. Uh, Someone has heard of TGIF. I think that's, thank God, is Friday. I think we need to also have a TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Hey. Yay, I hear like uh, a slight hand clap here. Uh, Thank God it's Monday. We are just elated and thankful uh, to be with you this morning. You can join us by calling 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. We're emanating from the Liberty University Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, and we want you to join us today. You can either call us at 901-260-5926 or you can jump on Facebook Live at the Mighty 990. Let us know how you feel. We've got a great, great, great show today. And it is right now, 7.06. Uh, you need to be getting up. If you have to be at work at 8 o'clock, get up now and get busy. Get your shower, uh, brush your teeth. Don't leave the house without brushing your teeth. People, you will offend people. I guarantee you that. So let's get up and get going. I know it's Monday. I know you're dragging, but get up and get going. I have the three G's. These are the three G's that I take care of every day. Do you want to hear the three G's? Well, whether you want to hear them or not, I'm telling them to you. All right. The three, the three G's are get up, give thanks, and then get her done. Can I say that one more time? Dylan, can I say that one more time? The three G's. Get up, give thanks to your God. And then get her done. And that will be a great day. Again, you can give us a call at 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. We've got great guests. We have Judge Carol Chumney that's going to be with us later in the show. Uh, County Commissioner Mick Wright is going to be uh, with us today on the show discussing some very pivotal uh, information and uh, we are just excited about the direction that the show is going to go today we're also going to have an interview with Steve Gill uh, I think we're going to be talking about Nazis in Nashville wow there's some serious news going on also and uh, we, we, we've we got to discuss that but uh, we're going to have fun today we're going to learn today and we're going to have a great time today all right, let's get started. Dylan, there was a basketball game. Uh, University of Memphis Tigers. I played football for them. Uh, I love the fight song. I do. Uh, everybody know we have an iconic fight song. Let's let's lead in with with the fight song. University of Memphis. We uh, are suffering right now. Uh, in in basketball delirium, I don't know what's happened. We went from number ten in the nation to now we don't know if we're going to make it. Uh, so let's let, let, let's cue that fight song.
that's 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 enough. That's that that song makes me happy. <laughs> but I'm not happy about what's going on with the University of Memphis. They lost. And you know, they had been losing. And Dylan, you, you shot you you jump in anytime. They had been losing like one by one or two. Respect uh, terrible losses, but respectful losses. Yep. Man, they're blown off the floor. They're blown off the floor. It's a tough watch. I had to cut. I I turned it off right after halftime. One hundred six to seventy nine. A twenty seven point loss. I'm afraid, and I hate to say this because I don't want anybody to get in trouble. Have have has he lost the team? I think we're getting close. How could a team that was so promising, number ten in the nation and rising, and now? It's, there's very unless we win the tournament, there's no way that we're going to get in. And uh, I, I'm sad. Uh, I played football for University of Memphis, defensive back. Uh, not the best player, but I was a player. Hello, but I, I my heart bleeds for Penny. Uh, I know he's giving his his best shot. I, I just I just have no clue. If you look, if you have an opinion, let me know. You can jump on the Facebook Live. Uh, feed of the mighty 990 or you can give us a call at 901-260-5926 I don't know I, and I'm, I'm again uh, I, I am I'm befuddled because I'm not sure what's going on I, I'm a former basketball coach I coach uh, AAU basketball for about 10 years so I know basketball and it just looks like that he's he's losing or has already lost a team and that's a sad commentary so uh, we, good wishes to the Tigers. Hey, let's turn around the season starting with the next game. All right. You know, Memphis has a, pro, has a crime problem. Is that not the understatement of the year? Memphis has a crime problem. Oh, boy. And I was wondering, I said, look, it's so easy. I believe the first step is pretty easy. And that's bringing in different entities like MPD, Sheriff's Department, uh, the DA's office, all these entities together that have to do with law enforcement and the judiciary and see what we can do to come up with a plan to solve this problem in Memphis. I've not heard a plan from anybody. C.J. Davis, what's your plan to curb the crime? I, I, I haven't heard from the mayor yet. I, I've heard rhetoric. I've heard, yeah, we've got to do this and we have to do that. But what is the plan. If we fail to plan, then we plan to fail. And until we come up with an amalgamated plan, an amalgamation of these individual groups coming together and saying, hey, we've got to put our heads together because this is a multifaceted problem and it needs a multifaceted response. Well, I was talking to someone last night who was one of is an official in our city and that person will remain nameless. And, uh, but this is what is happening. The, the mayor is having a crime summit. In fact, they've had one meeting already and it is a group of the MPD, uh, Shelby County, uh, sheriff's department, the DA's office, federal prosecutor and other law enforcement agencies are coming together to try to come up with a verified cohesive plan to solve the crime problem in Memphis. I was so elated and happy that this is going on. 
Don't understand why there's not been any media coverage. I tell you what, for every crime, there's media coverage. But every situation that is negative, there's media coverage, but didn't hear. I, I haven't heard anything about it, but I was happy to hear that actually they've had two meetings and there's a third meeting scheduled and they are. They are uh, said to make sure that they will continue to have these meetings until they can come forth with a unified plan to try to solve these problems, these crime problems that we have in Memphis. I was so excited about that. And uh, you, you know why we needed. And let me share something with you. Churches recently have become targets of these criminals. We, we, we I've, I've got a um, I've got a story to share with you. Uh, last Sunday, we had a guy come in our church. He left and came back and said he was going to burn the church down. He went to the gas station with a with a with a uh, antifreeze uh, bucket and came back and said, I'm going to burn the church down. Fortunately, we we have a, a great security force at our church. They stopped him at the gate and we were calling 911, calling 911, trying to figure out what was going on. And because no, there was no response, but there was at the same time that Kodarian Kraft was on his spree shooting up churches and stealing cars. And so. Then Parkway Village Church of Christ at 4400 Night on the Road, they were attacked Sunday. So it seems like churches are low-hanging fruit now, and churches are becoming a target, and that's scary. And so that's why I am so thankful to the Mayor's Crime Summit for the Mayor's Crime Summit meeting, where they're bringing all these entities together, where we can make our city safer, and that's what we need to do right now. So we're going to go a little bit forward in the show. And I, I got to share something with you before we go to break. We're about to go to break. There were 300 miscreants blocking Winchester near the airport yesterday. Stay tuned to see what MPD's reaction was. It may surprise you. We'll be back right after these messages. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. I am Dr. Frederick Dwayne Tappan. I am filling in for the great Ben Dieter. And uh, it is time to wake up. It is time to get up, give thanks, and get her done. The three G's. Get up, give thanks, and get her done. Again, it is 719 in the Big M town. And you can join us. By calling 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or you can jump on the Facebook Live feed at the Mighty 990, and you can become a part of the show yourself. We just talked about there were 300 miscreants blocking Winchester near the airport. I, I have a question. What was going on? What in the world was going on? What in the world? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? One of the classic quotes from Blazing Saddles, if you're old enough to remember it. Of course, Dylan's never heard of it, but that's okay. <laughs> what in the wide, wide world of sports was going on on Winchester yesterday? 
Now, it was bad enough that you have these 300 miscreants, and you can check it out on the Mighty 990 page, uh, crime page. 300 miscreants blocking Winchester near the airport, and there's a under there's an overpass underpass that uh, or a tunnel that uh, we go through, and it's the it is the floor of uh, the uh, of the runway, and it was blocked. That's bad enough because that's happening across our city, and that is dangerous. And what these idiots are doing? Yes, I call them idiots. You can get mad, and I don't care. They are doing donuts in the street, hanging out of the car with AK-47s, and they're doing it all over the city. All you have to do is look on social media, and you'll see these nuts out here doing this. The story was reported by Blackwood News. This is the kicker. MPD did not intervene. MPD did not. Help me, folks. Understand. Why MPD did not intervene. If you see the law being broken and you are the defenders of the law, tell me in what bizarro world do you not intervene and stop it? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I have the answer. I spoke with an employee and now he uh because and he wants to stay anonymous but he is an employee of Memphis Police Department and this is the quote that he gave me about why MPD did not intervene listen to this folks he said we are not allowed to intervene if we do we will be charged or fired under this administration quote So this is not the first person or employee that I talked to. And I asked another officer, what are they told to do? And he said, enjoy the show because we can't stop them because they are afraid that there will be a chase and there will be insurance liability. Are you putting insurance liability over the lives of Memphians? Somebody help me explain this. I, it makes no sense to me. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me that's not making any sense. He said, we are not allowed to intervene. If we do, we will be charged or fired under this administration. I don't get it. It, 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 it the, Comparatively speaking, the lives that could be endangered, you have people that are sitting there, people trying to get to work. It could be an emergency situation where someone is trying to get to the hospital. There may be an emergency vehicle. There may be an ambulance trying to get to uh, uh, to save someone's life. And you're telling me that you will not at least clear the thoroughfare. I, OK, so I said, OK, let, let, let me delve into this a little deeper. So I spoke with someone in the Shelby County Sheriff's Department, an official there, in relation to this situation. And I asked him, "What? T- tell me, how do you justify MPD not moving forward and trying to disperse this situation? And he said their response of not trying to disperse, he didn't understand. He did say what they would have done 
it's not about chasing. You don't have to chase the individuals. But what you have to do is clear the thoroughfare. You have to clear the road. You have to clear the road for traffic. You don't have to chase them. Just clear it. Stop it. So the reasoning behind not intervening, being tied to insurance liability, so we don't want to chase. You don't have to chase. Just stop what's going on. It's dangerous. You have armed individuals stopping traffic and you are giving them tacit acceptance. You are giving them tacit. Folks, you're giving them tacit, the tacit ability to do this, to say, hey, it's okay." Help me, somebody, because I don't understand. Are we allowing the criminals to take over our city? Or do you agree with MPD's response? Tell me, 901-260-5926. Jump on the Facebook Live at the Mighty 990. This is what it's saying to me. Tell me what you think needs to be done. Are we allowing the criminals to take over our city while we watch? Are we fiddling while Rome burns? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Do you agree with the MPD response? I do not. I put lives over insurance. I put lives over liability. I am crestfallen by the response. I don't understand it. And it has to go back to leadership at some form. Maybe not, not at the top, but somebody gave someone in administration, someone, a lieutenant or somebody gave the edict not to interfere. It's almost akin to saying look uh there's a there's a, a a driver and there's a guy inside the bank robbing the bank but don't chase him because of insurance liability makes no sense to me help me if i'm the one that's crazy say dr tappen you're crazy and well i already know that but i'm talking about this subject the key of it is this makes no sense We are allowing the inmates to run the asylum. And they are getting more and more emboldened in their crimes, taking over the streets. Folks, we've got to do something and we've got to do something right now. What we are doing is not working. Watching our city burn is not working. Watching our city be turned over to criminals is not working. I don't agree with the MPD response. I don't. I don't. And we have a caller. Thank you, caller. We have Dana from Memphis. Dana, welcome to Wake Up Memphis. Tell me how you feel about this situation. Dana, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Tappen. Dana, how are you? Hey, Dana. Thanks so much for calling. Tell me how you feel about this situation. Well, um, I could tell you're pleading for an answer. Here's my answer. I think that it's controlled chaos. Yeah. It's intentional. Wow. Yeah. It's happening all over the country, all over the world. So um, I think that it's intentional. 
I, t- plan. I, I tell you what, you're not the first person. Uh, they, they may call us conspiracy theorists, but you're not the first person that has has given me that opinion that there's something That's afoot. A- yeah, you know what the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? <laughs> what is it? Six months. <laughs> You're exactly right. Dana, I appreciate your opinion. <laughs> I appreciate your opinion, and I feel the same way. The outrage is real. This is not uh, frenetic thoughts. This is real because our city is being lost. Thank you so much, Dana. I tell you what, we're going to be right back. Uh, We're at the bottom of the hour, and we'll be back with more of Wake Up Memphis. And our guest, we got a guest coming up, Judge Carol Chumney on the 8 o'clock hour. Nazis in Nashville. We'll be right back with more from Steve Gill. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. Tell you what, it is 7.34 a.m. Uh, actually, 7.35. If you have to be there at 8 o'clock, you need to leave right now. We don't need you rushing. We don't need you flying down the interstate. Go ahead and leave now so you can take your time and get there on time. You can get pretty much anywhere in Memphis in 20 minutes. You can give us a call if you would like at 901-260-5926, 901 Six oh five nine two six, or you can jump on the Facebook Live page and give us a comment. But right now, we have the great and powerful Steve Gill. Steve, welcome to Wake Up Memphis. Good morning, and as people that do have to go to work today, have been, <laughs> uh, take a little moment to have some compassion for our British cousins that don't get to celebrate President's Day. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Ever since that little dust up back in 1776, we haven't had, they haven't celebrated our President's Day. I wonder why. I mean, after all these years, <laughs> where's forgiveness? I mean, come on now. <laughs> At yeah, some point, we have to move another, on. They came back for another bite of the apple in 1812 and burned our capital. You talk about an insurrection. I tell you what, we won. That's all that counts. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we're so happy to have you on the show, man. I appreciate you, and I know uh, you are a maven of information. And uh, I look the, the things the left is is sending out radiation calls of negativity, and it it's stemming from this Nazis in Nashville situation. <laughs> so I, I just need you to clear up some of this information because the left, especially Justin Jones, is is alleging that. The Republican Party is somehow behind the Nazis in Nashville. Help us out. Well, I, I hope they do recall that uh, uh, the the Klan were Democrats. The ones that blocked black voting uh, with the Civil Rights uh, Movement were Democrats. Dixiecrats. So study his history. And, and this particular group, Blood Tribe, travels around the country. It was founded by a former Marine. They mm-hmm. travel around the country with their 10 to 15 people marching you know, on by surprise with masks on. They don't tell people in advance they're going to be there. Or in Nashville, there would have been people lining the street, cheering them, booing them, flying American flags. Uh, so they kind of sneak in, get their media hit, which Justin Jones was all too happy to provide. Them. Right, right. Justin 
know they were going to be there if it wasn't coordinated. And these people are, are they have endorsed Joe Biden. They are endorsing the you, really Ukraine that are attacking the people in eastern Ukraine and have been for 14 years. They are pro Biden because he's providing missiles to Ukraine and, and the Nazi Azov Brigade, which is somebody will look up A-Z-O-V Brigade. It is it is the generation followers of the Nazis of Germany that have been attacking people in eastern uh, in, in the eastern uh, portion of Ukraine for 14 years with impunity. So when Putin says he's coming in because of the Nazis, that's exactly what he was doing. And this group that was parading in Nashville support the Nazis in Ukraine, support Nazism, and support Joe Biden. They have endorsed Joe Biden for president. That is absolutely astounding. So let's 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 congeal this situation. So with that information that you've given us, how in the world are the Republicans behind the Nazis in Nashville? I I, I think this is just low hanging fruit. When when the first argument has to do with politics, when we're talking about the Nazis, I believe that's just low hanging fruit for for, for Justin it, and and a lot of the left leaning individuals. So, what is your response to what this young man has said? What is your response to Justin Jones in relation to saying that this is a Republican backed situation when you have outed him for who he really is and what his backers really are? You know, this is a guy who's made a million dollars being a race baiter. Yeah. Uh, like Mr. Crump does in Memphis, whenever there's an incident in Memphis, he'll come in and blame white, blame white folks. Uh, when it's black-on-black crime in Memphis that is destroying the city, it's the refusal of so many black ministers in, in Memphis to call it out for what it is. It is young black men killing other young black men. Uh, but they're going to blame it on, on white folks. Even, even the, uh, the Tyree case, was black officers exactly him? But no, it, it's the it's the white folks in uh, in Collierville and Cordoba and Germantown that are to blame for for that incident. Yeah, you know, look, these guys are professional race baiters. They are race hustlers in the vein of Al Sharpton when he was fat Al Sharpton. I don't think he's changed any, but now skinny Al Sharpton is just as much of a race baiter and a race hater as, as he was when he was fat, wearing his chains and and uh, <laughs> with his big do. These people are all the same. They're all the same ilk. And and if you want to look at the real racism in America, uh, you've got black professors calling for the extermination of white people in this country and keeping their jobs. So so if there's really a, a race hate issue in America, it's not the rise of white supremacy. There's there's not a, a movement of white supremacy that people are gravitating to. These nitwits, and I use the term timely, these nitwits parade to draw attention to themselves. And how did Justin Jones know they were going to be parading down the street to, to be able to take the video if he didn't get a heads up? Because they're coordinating their, hey, let's do this so we can make the Republicans. Right, stand. right. And the right. bottom line is there is a palpable sense that Joe Biden is incapable mentally or physically of continuing to serve as president, much less get reelected. So they're doing everything they can to distract from the reality of, of the economy. You talked earlier about the, the Democrats are spewing all this negativity. Well, not when it comes to the economy. They're claiming all is well, uh, that the economy is booming thanks to Joe Biden, that, that people are working. Yeah, they're working two or three jobs to pay for what cost them less a couple of years ago. Gas prices are, are extremely high. And he's saying, oh, I, I've cut them in half. Yeah, in half from when you rose them 
uh, that the border is secure as we see millions come across. The Democrats are negative about everything except for the impact of Joe Biden's policy. I tell you what, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're 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 espousing, and it 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 just makes no sense to me that it all has to be reduced to race. We've got to get beyond that. Otherwise, that's where we'll stay. And so we have crazies on both ends. We have extreme right crazies. We've got extreme left crazies. But those of us that are standing here trying to get things done are the ones who never get the press. We never get uh, the the publicity to try to, hey, to say, hey, we, we, we're trying to get some things done here. Let's leave that race stuff out of it. Let's work together. You cut us when we both bleed red. And so I'm sick and tired of the race baiting. I'm sick and tired of people. Uh, I call it blameology politics. I'm sick and tired of it. So I definitely understand what you're talking about. And you alluded to something just a second ago uh, in your rhetoric about the border crisis. Man, this border crisis situation is serious. And people are are are, are looking at it and, and, and thinking that it's some type of uh, political minutia. But it is not. It's an invasion. People think that that is some type of hyperbole. No, I believe that's what I feel, that this is an invasion. Give me your thoughts. Well, and, and folks in New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C. and and uh, Martha's Vineyard and, and L.A. and San Francisco, they didn't care about what the border areas were experiencing when when these millions of illegals were coming across, you know, filling, you know, cities and communities along the border in Texas and Arizona. They didn't care until they started being you know, pushed first by the Biden administration that was flying them all over the country, busing them all over the country. Mm-hmm. And, and now that they're being given their free tickets and free cash and cards, <laughs> they're flooding into the New York, not to the percentage that uh, border cities and border states have experienced, but, but they're screaming about 35,000 people coming into a city the size of New York or Chicago. Uh, and now that they're experiencing it, and they're punishing their black communities by taking away the that's exactly right away the housing. Now the black communities in those cities are screaming uh, like like the rest of us, and we're all in this together. Finally, away from veterans or taken away from Texas communities, uh, they're taken away from from young black kids that can't go play at the community center anymore because they put up cops for illegals in there. And that is so real. And I'm glad that those individuals, those minorities, are now standing up and saying, "Hey, this is not right." This is not right. What is going on? And, you know, I was I was reading something uh, regarding the, the, the border and and how, you know, that the numbers at some of those major illegal crossings uh, have gone from three thousand to zero. And I am I am just applauding what uh, Governor Greg Abbott is doing. I'm applauding what the other 25 governors around the country are doing, sending troops there, Tennessee being one. I am proud of Tennessee to send troops there to help what's going on because fentanyl is coming over the border. Uh, uh, Traffickers in human trafficking are coming across the border. And what they also fail to realize, uh, Steve, is that it's not the Mexican government that's funding this or that's funneling these individuals, it's the cartels. Well, for a long time, you know, let's be honest, the CIA, the FBI, and others have been perpetrators of the drug cartel crime. I mean, you go back to the Clinton years in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and, and you have, you, there have been plenty of movies, real stories, of how the CIA was using the, 
the funds to then fund weapons in, in Nicaragua and other South and Central American countries. You know, unfortunately, our country is part and parcel of this. And, you know, we were talking about the race baiting. Every time there's a school shooting or a shooting on the streets, whether it's cops in New York getting beat up, whether it's uh, the shooting uh, recently at, uh, at the church in Texas, the media starts saying, oh, it's white folks, it's white folks doing this. You even have the, the media reporting, the one in, uh, um, tech, in, in Texas at the, at the oh, Joel Osteen church, oh, it was a, it was a white, um, uh, white person. It's like, no, it was a Hispanic illegal. Right. But, but they're covering up the reality. And if they don't report the race of the person within the first 24 hours after a shooting, you know what the race is, that it's not a white person, because it doesn't fit their agenda. And, and then they'll start the screams of gun control, when, you know, you know, all the mass shootings we've had at schools ever doesn't amount to the number of kids that are dying from fentanyl every year right now because they're continuing to bring it across the border and kill our children. Look, man, you are a maven of information. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. You have informed us. I appreciate it. And hopefully the next time I'm hosting, we'll get a chance to talk again. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, my friend. Have a good uh, President's Day. You too, man. All righty. Steve Gill. We are just elated to have him. He is the CEO of Steve Gill Network, and uh, he said some some really serious things, and we're going to be back uh, in just a few minutes at the top of the hour. Our guest will be Judge Carol Chomney discussing her new book, Her her Plan, and uh, to inspire children to learn more about the judicial system. We'll be back with more of Wake Up Memphis. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. I'm Dr. Frederick Dwayne Tappan. I'm filling in for the great Ben Dieter, who is taking a very needed rest. And uh, I am just thankful and elated that I was asked to come and fill in for him today. It is 751. In the great city of Memphis, it is 29 degrees, 29 degrees. It's cold. Put on a coat, put on a hat. If your head looks like mine, if it has a shine like mine, if it's slick like mine, put on a hat because it's 29 degrees. You can be a part of this show. We'd love for you to be a part of the show. You can give us a call at 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or you can jump on the Facebook live page of the mighty 990 like Keith Doggett Rayner did. And this was his comment. He said there have been, this is in relation to uh, the crime uh, summit meetings uh, with, uh, with the mayor. He said, there've been meetings after meetings. Everyone knows what needs to be done. Who has the courage, promptness and fortitude to do, to do uh, what a true man should do and implement the law and order be a man. Thank you so much, Keith Rayner. I feel the same way. We've had meeting after meeting. What's going to come out of this meeting? What's going to be different about these meetings than the other meetings that they've had that nothing came out of? Just nothing. Just a lot of fluff. Just a lot of rhetoric. I'm praying that this is not what's happening with this group. All right. We've got we got crime in the city. And, and I, you know, I, I hate to keep talking about it, but that's what's going on. That's what's prominent in our city right now and i think the one of the fears and anxieties that i have about the crime is that 
the criminals are are getting more bold. Okay, I, I think the first step was when they broke in the police chief's car and stole her gun. That's huge. That that takes some kahunas to do that. Um, they are now taking over the streets with these donut, I call them donut raids, where they are hanging out of the side of the car with AK-47s, with Dracos, sometimes shooting in the air while they're, they're doing their donuts and traffic is stopped. I've seen police cars sitting there watching the show. I've seen this with my own eyes. And the criminals have less and less respect and fear for law enforcement authority. Okay, here's another example. Memphis police investigated a stolen vehicle, and it was theirs. One of the investigative vehicles from MPD was in Germantown. And criminals, and you know these cars. They're chargers. They're black usually. Sometimes they're white. Well, usually the white ones are are with the school system, but they're usually black. It's the detective cars. Most people and criminals definitely know what these are. And this car was picked out to be stolen. They knew it was. You can look at the license tag. And it has a government license tag. These criminals knew that this was an MPD vehicle and they stole it anyway. And you tell me that they are not being more emboldened, more emblazoned with no fear of retribution. The police have always usually been off limits for criminals unless they have nothing else to turn to. Now they are being targeted. And that, what does that say about the rank and file individual citizens of Memphis? If they will target MPD, who are we? How can we feel safe? I tell people every day, I carry, and it's registered, I carry four or five friends with me every day. Four or five means a 45. I have to. I have to protect my family. It, it, it makes no sense. The, the car was stolen at 9 a.m. It was recovered at 5.40 p.m. I think it was just a show to say, hey, I can do this. I can do it right under your nose. I can steal a vehicle from MPD. If I can steal it from MPD, I can steal any vehicle out here. I think it was a power move. I think it was a move to say, we own you. And I am afraid of the statement that is being made, that was made by that move. I think it was more than just random. These criminals are smart. They're smart and crazy, but they're smart. There's no way on earth that they did not know that that was an MPD vehicle. They knew that. But I believe they were making a statement. Are the criminals Coming, becoming more emboldened members. Let me know how you feel about it. Do you think that was just random or do you think that that was something intentional to send a message, to send an epiphanous message to Memphis Police Department and law enforcement in this city to say, if we can do that, we can do what we want. There's a difference between how far 
law enforcement, and, and just take this to another level. Law enforcement have they, they have nine millimeters and they have they have shotguns. That's what we're armed with. That's what our law enforcement in the city is armed with. An occasional automatic weapon. But these guys have Dracos, which are guns with a banana clip. It's a gun, but it's 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 an automatic weapon that carries sometimes 40 or 50 in the clip. They have drum clips on the AK-47 that carry probably 90 in the magazine. But we have not updated law enforcement armory, the law enforcement armament, to match what they're going to see on the street. So I've got a BB gun and you have a cannon. Metaphorically speaking, it's time for us to upgrade our armament. I'm afraid of what's happening in our city, and we've got to do something about it because I'm afraid. Coming up, George Carroll Chumney, and she'll be discussing her new book, The Arena, One Woman Story, and we'll be also discussing her contribution to helping the youth in our city. We'll be right back with more Wake Up Memphis. And good morning to you. I am Dr. Frederick Dwayne Tappan. I am filling in for the great Ben Dieter. Thank you, Ben, for your confidence. And I promise I will not let you down. It is Monday, February 19th, 2024. And we are here on the Mighty 990, uh, KWAM. And if you want to be a part of this show, you can. You can give us a call at 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or jump on the Facebook Live page of the Mighty 990. And share your thoughts. Don't forget the three G's of the morning. Get up, give thanks, and get her done. All right, we've got a caller, Tim, from Memphis. He wants to talk about Memphis criminals. There are a lot of them. Tim, welcome to Wake Up Memphis. Thank you, uh, Mr. Tappan. Yeah, I, I was just listening to you, and I, I wanted to, to disagree with you on your, your comment about the uh, intelligence of the criminals. You said they're smart. Well, I... I I don't think they're smart. I think they're actually motivated by what I call an evil courage. And they get away with something small. They just have it in their heart to do something bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're lashing out. They're, they're taking revenge. You know, something motivates them. And then their heart gets gripped by, by a sense of evil, frankly. And the more evil acts they do, the, the bolder they get. And so I think it's not intelligence. They're not smart. They're just they're just motivated by evil. And that's all I wanted to say. I, I think you're doing a great job on it. Way. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. Look, I agree with you. What I meant by smart is they're going to take advantage of whatever openings that we give them. They're smart enough to know to take advantage of gaps in the system. And that's what I meant by smart. And uh, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah, there's an evil tinge with this situation, 
And the more that they can get away with, the more they will be emboldened. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. We have an we have a great judge online. She was a great. She's a great attorney. And uh, now she is a judge and she's doing an absolutely wonderful job. And uh, I got to share something with you, folks. Uh, Her dad was my history professor at the University of Memphis, uh, Dr. Chumney. And uh, Carolyn, I've been uh, sorry, just Chumney and I have been friends for many years and I didn't associate the names. Her dad was my favorite professor in college. He was so knowledgeable. I loved him and found out later on that was uh, that that judge was uh, his daughter. And we have rekindled a relationship. So I love them. So welcome to Wake Up Memphis, Judge Carol Chumney. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) How are you today? Uh, Judge, I am awesome. And it is an awesome day uh, because uh, not only is this the day that the Lord has made, but. You're here with us and you're going to share some great information with us. And uh, we thank you so much for all the work that you've done throughout the years for this city politically, as well as in the judiciary. And we, we just so happy to thank you and welcome you to our show. Well, thank you for having me. Tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll get started here. And uh, this is kind of a general question. And you have been associated with several high profile cases in a very short period. Uh, of you taking office. So tell us a little bit about how high profile cases differ from run of the mill cases. Well, um, there's kind of a, you know, a policy that we treat every case the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody that advertises on TV, I think, some of the lawyers, and they say that every case, no matter how big, how small, right, you know, right. we work them all or whatever. And that is true because um, just because it's a high profile case doesn't mean that you don't spend as much time on a case that people aren't as aware as much aware of because mm-hmm. that other case is just as important to the people in your court yeah, we go as the big case so you know they we treat them all the same but the um the high profile case of course gets more media and public right. attention <laughs> and uh and so we have to uh, usually a lot more people in the courtroom a lot of times they're calling wanting to bring a camera in, they have to get permission. And um, then there's certain rules they have to follow on how they use, um, you know, what they get from the courtroom, the, the, the video and things of that sort. So we have to make sure they're aware of those rules. But um, that's pretty much the only difference. <laughs> wow. And see, again, yeah. the, the rank and file individual, we, we need to, we want to know that, you know, because people think, well, they, they do it a little bit differently because it's high profile. But that is the truth that, uh, the law is the law, and it doesn't change because it's a high-profile case. And you've had so much experience in the law for so many years, and I was just elated to find out that you had written a book. And the name of her book, folks, is The Arena, One Woman Story. And it is a great book. It is not just a great book because I'm in it. <laughs> I have a blurb in there, and I appreciate that, Judge. Thank you so much. But tell us a little bit about your inspiration for writing your new book, The Arena, One Woman Story. Well, I had a lot of experiences in politics. And the name, by the way, comes is a playoff Theodore Roosevelt's famous speech, The Man in the Arena. Right, and right. so this is The Arena, One Woman Story, because I've just, uh, there are a lot of stories. There are a lot of people in arenas, and this is just one story. But I wrote the book because I wanted to 
talk about integrity in politics. I wanted to talk about um, the need to have include more women in higher positions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about some of the experiences I had in Memphis and Tennessee politics that might be relevant not only here but elsewhere to kind of bring a, a, a shift, a cultural shift, and to, and to try to make government and public service better. Well, I tell you what, it did that, and uh, your vast experience in not only just judicial situations, but in the community. You were before you became judge. You were you were our our attorney for our church. She, she handled all the cases, uh, personal and business cases. Thank you, thank you <laughs> for our church. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna tell you, folks. I have to tell you, a lot of it was pro bono. And uh, and we thank her for that because we're not a big church. And, uh, and a lot of the things that she did, you know, are unsung. And so I know you have a great, great story. And uh, tell us. And, and I've got to include your parents in this. Tell us a little bit about how your parents shaped who you are. And, you know, I love your dad. You know that. And, I know. Uh, and I, yeah, I wish he was listening. I, I just I was afraid to tell him it's so early. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but anyway, yeah, I mean. They they gave me um, when I talk about the book the three C's they taught me about courage character mm-hmm. and compassion which are some some of the guideposts for me and of course Christ and uh, so their example was wonderful for me because um, I I saw that exhibited they they also you know instilled it in in me and my sisters around the dinner table every night we talked about political events we talked about history because he was a history professor Most, college the, history best, professor. the best the <laughs> best. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was really important. And I think when I got into politics, having that background instilled in me made a big difference because there were, you know, events that came up that, um, you know, I had to make decisions and I had the framework to make them. One was, as uh, I texted you those pictures, when mm-hmm. the uh, Iraq delegation came to Memphis in 2004. Uh, and got shut out of City Hall, unfortunately, they were a pro-democracy group over here trying to learn about democracy, and they were, uh, unfortunately, not allowed to even enter the building, wow. the public building of City Hall, which made news internationally. But thank heavens, because of my background, because, you know, of the values I was taught, I went and met with them at a different location, and then later the others had to go apologize because they realize they had made a mistake. Well, I'll tell you what, you have a history of doing things like that and being community minded and being open enough to listen to all sides of a situation. And uh, that's why I'm applauding you for something that we talked about that we're going to work on together. And it's uh, it's called the the, the kids court program where we're going to be bringing kids into your court and teaching them about the judiciary and how it works and hopefully understanding more about it. They can stay out of it. And uh, just just want to get your thoughts on that. I know we've talked about that agnosium, but l- let me know what how you feel about well, that, absolutely. that program. Yeah, because the thing is, is that I did um, I was I did go to the public schools. My parents gave me a choice, you know, and I picked public schools. You know? mm-hmm. um, and but I, I got to this to go and see things. And um, I remember, believe it or not, I was. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was uh, uh, out and seeing things in politics and public service just as, you know, even in high school. And I think that getting out and out of your neighborhood, out of just your classroom, mm-hmm. 
you know, we do have the Internet now where, where kids do have the opportunity to see more uh, through that venue. But I, there's nothing like a one-on-one and, a, and especially making uh, a kid feel important and valued and respected. And that's why we lose a lot of them. I think, that's right. They don't have the support, the family support. Sometimes they do. Sometimes that has nothing to do with it. But they also don't have an idea that they can do something else with their life. And a lot of them are doing great, by the way. But, you know, the ones that there's others that need uh, need more attention, I think. And you're so right, Judge. Uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, having them dress up like attorneys, having them dress mm-hmm. up and, and talk to attorneys and explain that. And they, the attorneys explaining to them how to put a case together and actually trying a case. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. It's going to expand possibilities. It's going to give them a different view of life because mm-hmm. what many of them are seeing is just the negative part of it. And I am so thankful to you. You're doing an awesome and great job. Thank you, Judge, for being who you are, for being a great person. Tell your dad, love him. Thank him uh, so much for that. And uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit later because we're going to get this thing done and we're going to change this city. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Thank you, Judge. You too. Goodbye. Judge Carol Chumney. And uh, we're so happy to have her on the show. Can the legislature change the law that would help our emasculated bail system in Shelby County? Can the legislature help us? Stay tuned for the answer. We'll be back with more of Wake Up Memphis. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. It is 8.20 a.m. on February 19th, 2024. Temperature is 34 degrees. And don't forget the three Gs. Get up, give thanks, and get her done. All righty. We've we've had a great show today, and I'm really excited about what's going on here. And uh, I, but I do still have a few frustrations. Uh, thank you for all your support, all the people who've been on, who are on Facebook Live. Thank you so much, uh, Daryl, Diane, uh, Bishop Bob, Bob Hendry, all all you guys. Thank you so much for being on uh, the show, being a part of the show today. All right, we okay, and I know we. We're still talking about crime and 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 how we can better it. I, I'm here to to be a voice of reason, a voice of improvement. I'm not just here to to pontificate about the negativity, but I am here to form a a a literal juxtaposition and let's put solutions before the problem uh, right now. Let's talk about what we can do to solve the problem. We've talked a lot about the problem. Let's talk about how we can solve some of these problems, folks. And and uh, there's a bill uh, that was that has been issued by uh, the Senate and uh, and the House in the state uh, in relation to changing how we give bail in the state of Tennessee, especially in Shelby County, because it, it, it is broken. Our bail system is broken. Uh, One of the problems with the bail system, and listen to this, and this is a quote from a story uh, from WMC, a bill that would make make financial status a non-factor when deciding bail passed its first hurdle in the Tennessee legislature this week. And we've got a clip that I want you to listen to before I get a little deeper into it. 
Uh, Dylan, let's go to cut one. Let's go to cut two. I'm sorry. Let's go to cut two. I apologize. Joe and Joy, bail reform in Shelby County launched a year ago this month. The new process includes looking at a defendant's ability to pay bail. But with the crime crisis in Memphis claiming more victims daily, there's an effort at the state level sorry to change that. what was just changed at the county level. I mean, I can't even, you know, call a Uber or Lyft because I don't have, you know, any money. Dominique Coleman's life shattered by Memphis crime. Police records show she was carjacked Sunday by 20-year-old Cordarian Kraft, a young man out on bond despite earlier arrests for violent crimes. With no transportation, Dominique just lost her job. Now I'm right back at square one, don't have anything, have to start all over again. In Nashville Tuesday, two bail bills passed subcommittee votes. First, a constitutional amendment filed by House Speaker Cameron Sexton, one that appeared to have bipartisan support during a January news conference in Memphis. It would let voters decide if judges should be allowed to deny bail for more crimes than capital murder, including acts of terrorism, second-degree murder, aggravated rape of a child, aggravated rape, and grave torture, along with other offenses where the convicted must serve at least 85% of the sentence. The second bill is sponsored by Representative John Gillespie and State Senator Brent Taylor. We're removing the, um, basically the financial consideration or the condition of the defendant's financial um, ability uh, to pay. Folks, so... uh, I'm, this is very frustrating for me. What does ability to pay the bail have to do with the crime? What, what does it have to do with the punishment? So you're going to give a person a smaller bail based on their ability to pay it, not based on the crime they committed? Again, am I crazy here? So what's what's most important is, and, and that's why we're changing it. That's why the bill has been forwarded to change this, because it makes no sense. It makes no sense to say, okay, because this person is indigent financially and they committed a crime That should be a consideration in relation to bail. No, what should be a consideration in relation to bail is the crime they committed. First and foremost and only. It makes no sense. Why this is even a discussion befuddles me. Because you people are, are saying, okay, we're having more compassion for the criminal than we do for the potential victims like you and me. Those of us that are going to work every day, that are providing for our families, that are protecting our families, that are seeking to pursue happiness in our lives, we are the potential victims of of these individuals that you're saying and being a bleeding heart for and in some cases, bleeding heart liberals saying, OK, you know what? Uh, you know, it's OK. You know, we want to we want to get, be nice to these people because they are not they don't have enough money and to pay their bill. Well, don't do the crime. 
if you don't have the wherewithal, don't do the crime. I have no idea why financial ability to pay would ever come into play in relation to a bail system. Let, let me read a little bit more in the story. Dominique's Col- Dominique Coleman's life was shattered over the weekend by this 20-year-old Kodarian Kraft. This is the, the guy that was shooting up the churches and shooting, kill someone and stealing cars from churches and just doing a lot of crazy stuff. He, I think he had like eight charges. And so this is the person that we're trying to protect in terms of bail. First of all, there shouldn't be a bail, and he wasn't given one. But I, I've seen situations where a police officer was shot. Two police officers were shot by one individual, and the case was dropped. Didn't even get to the bail part. I I, I don't understand. I don't understand. We, we've got a situation here that needs help. I'm so glad that uh, Representative Gillespie and, uh, and, and, and Senator Brent uh, is, is coming to the floor of the legislature with something that makes sense. We got a caller, Bill Hendry. He's going to talk about the bail bill. Bill, welcome to Wake Up Memphis. Bob, hey Fred, uh, Bob, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I was hey, looking no at problem. Bill on my page. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no problem. Uh, listen, the uh, the issue here is just who are you trying to support? Right. You there know, we the go. Lord says the Lord says, look, you can't judge. You can judge a tree by the fruits. Right. If the tree is a good tree, it's going to produce good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's only going to produce bad fruit. So look at the fruit. And when you look at our district attorney, when you look at the judges that we have sitting on the bench right now, when you look at the political parties that support them and the things they stand for, and then you run these people for election, and you get the results that they said they were going to give you, you can't be surprised. So we have uh, a, an out-of-control, radical leftist district attorney yes. who thinks, uh, just let people out. They've committed a crime, just let them out the door. Well, he has no consideration whatsoever for the victim. He has no concern whatsoever for the fact that people's lives have been destroyed in a matter of minutes by some heinous, drugged-up thug who comes in and commits murder, rape, robbery, or stabs somebody. Bill, I tell you what, Bill, I appreciate it. We, uh, I hear the music. We, we've got it. We got it. I got to interrupt you. I apologize, man. I agree with you wholeheartedly with what's going on. We've got to change it. We've got to change what the DA's office is doing, and we're going to do it right here and right now. Thank you so much, Bob Hendry. All right, we'll be right back with more. We've got Commissioner McWright coming next. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. I'm Dr. Frederick Dwayne Tappan. I am filling in for the great Ben Dieter. And I thank you, Ben, again, for asking me to be here. And, and I am so excited about what's happened today. We've, we've, I think we've done pretty decently so far. I don't think they're going to take us off the air yet. It is Monday, February 19th, 2024. It is 34 degrees in the great city of Memphis. And if you'd like to give us a call, you can. You want to be a part of the show? We'd love for you to be a part of the show. You can give us a call at 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or jump on the Facebook Live page at the Mighty 990. And you, too, can be a part of Wake Up 
Memphis. Don't forget about the three G's of the morning. Get up, give thanks, and get her done. Get her done. All right. So we have a great, uh, another great person, another great person to interview this morning. He is County Commissioner Mick Wright. He is a friend. He is a litigator of truth. And I appreciate him uh, coming to the show for us to talk to him about some of the situations that are going on in our city that the County Commission is in charge of. Welcome, Mick Wright, to Wake Up Memphis. Well, good morning, Dr. Tappan. It's always good to be with you, and and God bless you on this wonderful Monday morning. Look, it is just, uh, I I told told the people, uh, we always talk about TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. We've got to we, we've got to do a TGIM. Thanks God is Monday because if we weren't here, absolutely. <laughs> if we weren't thanking God for Monday, we would be somewhere else. So, I am thanking God for Monday, and uh, we thank you for all the work that you you do, all the work that you do with Youth Villages, all the work that you do with our city, with the County Commission, and uh, we really appreciate it, uh, uh, Commissioner. And uh, just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are, are prominently on our mind in relation to what's going on in, in our city. And <sighs> crime is affecting businesses. And I've been reading lately about businesses closing and businesses leaving. And some of them were for financial reasons, but a lot of them were it was dealing it had some tentacles with crime. And uh, it's not a strange juxtaposition when it comes to crime being a, an important element in uh, the health of the city. And uh, I just wanted your thoughts on on what we can do or, or what has the commission done or what they, are their plans in relation to helping our businesses uh, stay afloat during this crime wave until we can get something done about it. Uh, and and I, I'm afraid because when the businesses are leaving, then people will begin leaving and it's going to shrink our, our, our tax base and it's, it's going to be a, a very hectic situation. So just, just wanted to get, get your thoughts on what's going on in relation to that. Well, you are absolutely right. Uh, the, our businesses have just been pummeled uh, first by the COVID regulations right, and right. now by the, the skyrocketing crime. And just looking over the past few months, I've, I've seen, I've got a, a list running of, some of the businesses that have closed, even in some of the popular, you know, along Poplar Avenue, right, right. Um, some some popular locations. Whimsy Cookie is is one. Um, they just talked about Mug and Coffee House over in Whitehaven, right, very right. popular coffee place. And like you said, a lot of these businesses will say, you know, they they may not give a reason, or they may talk about financial. Um, but I think part of it is they're they're. They're concerned about getting the flack on the way out the door. Of right. People, you know, that people don't want them to come clean that crime is such a big problem, but it is. It, it is. And you know what? Even financially, there's still a crime tentacle because people are going out less. We, and I'm, I can speak for myself. We don't go out as much as a family. And we usually spend a lot of time out and, you know, because it's family time for us. But now... I'm the cook in the house. I do. I do the majority of the cooking. I love cooking. Um, we're cooking more at home, man. Because yeah. not not just because we want to stay at home, it's because it's not safe on the streets. That's absolutely right. And when I speak to groups around around the county, I ask who who in the audience has changed some of their behaviors or changed yeah. when they go out, maybe where they go out. 
And virtually everyone is doing that. Everyone is feeling it and is concerned about crime. You know, this weekend I went over to, I don't know if you all saw this, the Breakaway Running Store off, yes. off of Poplar in uh, Overton Square. They had a break-in over the weekend, or maybe it was last weekend, but I was there just to kind of uh, ask them how things were going and, and what, what transpired. They said, thankfully, the police were not too far away. And so the guy got chased out, but did did clean out their cash register. Uh, but you know that that's one thing was we just get, we have to we have to band together and really support these these restaurants and 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 businesses, and and they need to pull together as well. I think you know right. the more we're separated, the the more at risk we are. Cause, you know, there, there's a strength in numbers. You know what? I there's a I, I love peanuts. And I'm talking about the, the cartoon, the cartoon peanuts. And uh, I remember Lucy talking to her brother Linus, and she had taken Linus Linus's his his, uh, his blanket, and he held his hand up. He said, "Give my blanket back," and she said, "No." So he held his hand open, and then he started to close his hand finger by finger, and he said, "I may not be able to take it from you with my hand open, but when I bring my fingers together, I'm strong." And I yeah. think this exactly that's exactly what you're saying, that the businesses, as well as law enforcement, we're going to have to come together and come together with a plan that's going to help this uh, situation. Um, and again, coming together means something, but we have to have a plan. And I haven't heard it, Commissioner. Have you heard the mayor's? Does the mayor have some comprehensive plan to to stop the crime or to improve our, our, our crime numbers. Have you heard it now? I'm in support of him, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't know him as well. Uh, and so I'm going to support him uh, uh, until I see something different, but I haven't really seen a comprehensive plan to deal with the crime. Maybe you have, you're closest to the situation. So let me know what, what, what's going on. Well, I think, I think you're right that he has, Really, he has a very short runway right now because Memphis, our city is dying. Yes. And so even though he's new to office and then this is his first public office, remember, he's in, he's in uh, what, a month and a half of, of any kind of public office. So he's really drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> but, but all of us are expecting him to have, make some immediate changes. And, right. and I know he is working on things, working on a plan. I saw him on WKNO this past weekend talking about some of those things. He has a crime task force, is my understanding. I spoke with a couple of members who have been meeting with him there, but I think we're all at the point where we've, we've, got, to, we've got to see the action now. We've got, we've got to see something go into motion. The other, the other thing I would say is on, on the plans, you know, the Crime Commission has a plan as well that both the county and the city have agreed to, but it's it's in such a state, and I'm, I'm very frustrated with it. Even though I, I agree with it, I agree we need a plan, we need a coordinated plan, but we've got to, we've got to really enact it. We've got to, uh, from what I understand, we don't, we don't have an estimate of what it would cost to enact a plan. We have really no one in charge of making it happen. And so that that's the kind of thing where you've got to have a plan, but you've also got to execute it. Commissioner, paper plans are what? Paper. They're that's right. 
if if the plan is only on paper and there's no and there's inactivity attached to the plan, then it's an inactive plan. It's only a plan that is actionable when it is put into practice. I I'm, I am sick and tired of meetings. I'm sick and tired of paper plans. We've got to do something because our city is dying. And yep. and and in relation to that, help me understand and my listeners what explain this interim tag that's been placed on the director what does that mean and now i'm hearing that an individual is being hired to oversee the director's position just just help me and i don't know you know more about this than i do help me with this because there are a lot of people asking this same question I, well, I will say I've not met with the mayor since he has taken office. I did speak with him on a couple of occasions during during the campaign. Um, I believe him to be a good man, uh, comes from a faithful family. But, again, we're all just kind of waiting on what, what's the plan going to be and wait to see it be enacted. I think as far as his approach to this, again, him being new, he came in and pretty much wanted to keep those – uh, people in office who already knew the ropes because him, you know, coming in as a novice, he needed, he needed some experienced hands. Right. Right. And I agree with that. It. So I think that's why he wanted to keep those people in place, including chief Davis. Uh, and he said he had met with her and, and felt comfortable with, with the direction that she had. It, it does sound like she has the confidence of the boots on the ground, which is, another sign that maybe things could work on her, her leadership. So, you know, I think it was just a matter of the city council wasn't quite ready to sign on. Um, right. So it is an interim. You talked about the other, um, this other position. I think, I think that's a little bit different. He's talking about that the police are more of a reactive uh, force and he's wanting to, he's, he's wanting someone to basically coordinate the preventive or intervention, you know, intervention services, in addition to that, that suppression service that the MPD provides. So is this a co-chief or is is she? St- I mean, I, and, and I just wanted to see where this interim tag would that affect her level of authority in relation to that situation that you know I, of. And you may not have the answer. And I understand I, that. No, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. But <laughs> my understanding of this. Uh, this position would be more of someone to help coordinate, you know, all those other things. Mayor Strickland talked about it a lot, talked about uh, county level courts and DAs, and there was a lot of back and forth, but uh, a lot of those things aren't direct. There's no direct line to the city mayor. Right. Um, and as well as nonprofit groups and things that churches do and things like that. I think having someone to coordinate those other activities could be a good, a good way forward. Okay, look, I'm willing to support as long as something is being done. I I tell uh, my leadership at the church, I said, look, the worst thing that you could ever do as a leader is nothing. Even if you did something and it wasn't quite right, we can ameliorate that. But we can't ameliorate nothing. There's nothing to work with. So that's what I want to see us do something. Thank you so much, Commissioner. You're doing a great job. Continue the great work. Uh, we'll continue to work together and trying to make this city a better place. Thank you so much for joining Wake Up Memphis. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. All righty. That is Mick Wright, County Commissioner. Uh, and we thank him for his time. And we're going to take a break, our final break of the day. 
I have a question for you. How was your Valentine's Day? How was it? Question. Do men get gifts or do we just give gifts? I want to know. Let's talk about it. We'll be right back with more of Wake Up Memphis. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis. We are so happy to have you on our show. And uh, it is 8.51 a.m. And if you want to join us, you can at 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. It is 34 degrees in the great state of Tennessee in the city of Memphis. Don't forget the three G's of the morning. Get up. Give thanks and get her done. All right. We had a wonderful interview with Mick Wright and uh, gave us a lot of good information about what's going on on the county commission and with our city and our mayor. And we want to thank him so much. But now we're going to talk about Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about Love Day. And, uh, you know, it's been traditional that men give gifts to women. But what about women giving gifts to men? I, I don't look for anything on Valentine's Day. I, my wife said something to me about it, and I said, you know, I'm cool. But she she got me something, which was great, which was very nice. But traditionally, it's been men giving to women. It's been a day for, for women. And I want to know how you feel about giving a gift to a, a man, a, a wife, giving a gift to a husband, a girlfriend, giving a gift to a boyfriend. Or is that what you do? How do you handle it? 901 260 5926 or jump on Facebook live and let us know like we have a response from hold on where do we go uh, from a young man who said that uh, he his girlfriend get, gave him a gift and he was excited about it you know it, it's exciting it's not a requirement but it is exciting uh, his name is Brian Newman Brian said my fiance got me a huge card with a heartfelt note on it, took me to the casino with a hotel and it was romantic. I funded our gambling money and got her a few gifts. Feels nice when it's give and take. Oh, that was so nice, Brian. That was so nice. So Brian's fiance gave him something. I mean, really went way out. So tell me how you feel about this. I, you know, I'm cool with it. I appreciate it. No one is going to turn down a gift. No one is going to turn down affection. And uh, so I, I think that is uh, something that uh, maybe more needs to be done. Sometimes, you know, it's fine on Father's Day to get a tie. That's We expect ties on Father's Day. Uh, that's okay. But sometimes, and you don't have to do it every Valentine's Day, but, you know, a little something, something, you know, give me a, uh, give me some candy, some turtles, uh, some of the and what I don't mean real turtles. I mean, the, the candy turtles, uh, caramel and, and peanuts and all that. Uh, th- th- that's something. Uh, Bishop Bob Midget, he says, Dr. Tappan, it happens both ways with me and my wife. I didn't expect her to do anything for me, but that's the way she is. Let your feelings dictate what you do. That's cool. That's cool. I, I'm I'm I hope more of this happens because it tends to bring the relationship closer when not it's not just coming from one side. I'm okay with it. 
that's fine with me. I, you know, tradi- I'm pretty traditional when it comes to stuff like that. I watched my dad, and that's one of the advantages of having a father in the house or having a male figure in the house that you can model yourself after them. Unfortunately, some of the male figures that we have around aren't aren't positive. But I had a great family, I had a great dad, and he showed me how uh, to treat my wife in relation to how he treated my mom. And, and that is so important. So let's make sure that we are treating each other wonderfully and that we are blessing one another. Uh, I had a wonderful Valentine's Day, and I hope that you did. Uh, unfortunately, Valentine's Day fell on Ash Wednesday. And so we had a lot of people that had to go to service uh, and, and, and get the implement, implementation of the cross. Uh, and, and some of them did not get a chance to do it because, you know, they, they were out that night. And I understand that. Uh, Darrell Williams, good friend of mine. He said, I agree. It's not expected, but definitely appreciated. If so, if I, if so, I receive a gift. And that is so great. Uh, and, and I think that that's the sentiment of men. It's not mandatory. It's okay if we don't, but every blue moon, you know, send me something. You know, give, give me give me give me a card or something. Let me know, even if it's not Valentine's Day. Just say, hey, you know, I, I appreciate you, and that's all it's saying. It doesn't mean that we're breaking tradition. It just means that you care, and caring should mean more than tradition. The Bible tells us about how important love is, and and if we can love one another, if we can learn to love one another in this city. We'd be a better city. If we could learn to forgive one another in this city. We'd be a better city. If we could learn to work with one another, to cooperate in relation to the problems that we have, these problems are not impossible to solve. These problems are, you can solve them, but we've got to work together. We've got to change it, change the focus from politicizing everything or racializing everything. We've got to change it to working together, to cooperating and making sure that this city does not become a city of oblivion because right now we're headed in that direction. All the crime is uh, the crime is causing people to leave, causing businesses to close. And when businesses close, people begin to leave to go to safer areas. And when they leave going to safer areas, then it reduces the crime. It reduces the, the tax base. And when the tax base is reduced, it reduces the amount of money that we have in the coffers to protect uh, and serve our uh, the people and the citizens of our city. And when that happens, we are on the way to Detroit. We are on the way to Detroit. And that's a sad commentary. And I, I pray for our city. I want you to pray for our city. And uh, we, we've got to do a better job by one another. Uh, last thing, James Williamson, he said, giving a gift is a blessing and a joyful moment of expressing my love just giving to someone else makes me feel good. That's essentially what he said. So we are just excited. Thank you so much. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Ben, for allowing me to do this. I'll see you Saturday at 12 noon on the Frederick Tappen Show. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.